1: Welcome to Beyond Synth. My name is Andy Last and this is my show where we talk to cool people and we listen to cool music. Today on the show is Robert Parker and uh, we have a fun chat. He is from Sweden. I think I point out to him... When we actually do the interview, but uh, this was during a week where I recorded a bunch of interviews. I did some chiptune shows and some others, and everyone I talked to was from Sweden. And uh, you're going to hear another Sweden interview next week, I think. Maybe. Sometimes the order changes, but the point is welcome to the show. I'm trying to calm myself. I feel like I have a rant building inside me, and I don't want to do it. <laughs> You ever just have one of those days where just uh, stuff is frustrating and I'm having one of those and I'm just trying to breathe, just trying to relax, calm myself? Here's how we're going to do that. We're going to listen to some music, all right? So here is a cool track. This is uh, Neverman with the track Cherry Baby. Now, I just, I love this chorus. So, you know, give it a minute and then you will, you will understand why I dig it. Because at first you might be like... What's up with this one? And you'll be like, ah, I see. You'll see. Here's Neverman with Cherry Baby. You
0: know. So wrong, but I'm not, you know, those lips make you shine all night, and I, I can't get you out of my mind.
1: And that was Cherry Baby by Neverman, brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters. The king of the Patreons this week is Pattern Shift, followed closely by Jacob Wick with the 4488, such a special man, and, uh, (laughs) such a special man. And don't forget uh, Clint Dowling, because I didn't, and also Chris Williams, the king of cyber services. Now look, I have now recorded this section of the show twice. (laughs) This is the third time. I had this rant dealing with political ideology and stuff like that, and then I remembered my oath to the listeners that Beyond Synth is beyond this shit, and it is. So then I re-recorded it again, and then I'm listening back to that edit and realizing, fuck, I did it again. (laughs) Like... I said I wasn't going to talk about that stuff, and then it came back out of me again in this fucking eight-minute rant. So I've recorded it twice now, and it's like stuff I want to talk about, but I annoy myself when I listen back to it. So I'm going to now do the Coles notes of that segment, or the cliff notes for you Americans. That basically means the abbreviated version. I mean, I could just drop it. (laughs) Look... Here's the bottom line. Here's all you need to know about me. I'm a liberal-minded, progressive dude who does indeed want social change for everyone, every human, to be treated fairly and equally and for everyone to have the same access to opportunities and stuff in order to live the life that they want to live and that their life should not be impeded by other people's beliefs. I also like comedians who say, offensive things, and I don't like seeing them have to apologize on TV because they said a sentence that someone doesn't like. I believe in context context is so important to me. It just is. It always has been. And I want this outrage culture to go away because it's frustrating me. Not everything has to be political. Not everything has to be ideological. I mean shit, this whole show is based on fucking nostalgia of like the 80s and stuff. Those movies were just straightforward entertainment movies. Like that's what they were. That's why we love them. (laughs) Like we love them because they were just entertainment. You know, like Doc Brown didn't have to take Marty aside and give him a lecture on why fucking socialism is the way or something you know like they were just entertaining movies and even if you agree with that political stance it's like annoying to have it repeated to you and i feel like right now everything is being dragged into this fucking political ideological mud And it's like, nothing can just be a thing. And there was entertainment with, you know, diverse casts and women in authority positions and stuff. And I'm watching it right now because Florence got me to watch some episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. As you guys know, I'm a Doctor Who guy, but I'm actually really enjoying these, uh, these episodes of Star Trek. And I'm seeing the appeal now, I think more than I would have then. Because while everything, like I said before, like in the entertainment industry, is all being dragged down by fucking ideology and politics, and stuff, here's a show that has a diverse cast, you know, has all this stuff that people are demanding of Hollywood, and it's doing it then, and it's not patting itself on the back going, look how great we are, it's just going, hey, here's the future, the future is people of all backgrounds working together for a common goal, and it just feels right, like, yeah, that's how it should be, not fucking dividing everybody by things that are out of their control, you know what I mean, like, you shouldn't be... (laughs) You shouldn't be sectioned off into, like, these different groups based on things that you didn't choose. But we don't choose our race. We don't choose our sex. We don't choose our fucking sexuality. And we shouldn't be divided because of it. Stupid. Damn it, I did it again. Fuck! (laughs) I can't... I can't turn this into not a rant. This is my third try. (laughs) God damn it. Look... Bottom line, okay? This is the goddamn bottom line. Always look for the good in people. Don't turn people away just because they have one, you have one fucking disagreement with them about something. Because there's probably something you do agree with them about. I have friends of all different walks of life. There are some people who I disagree with massively on a whole bunch of shit. But hey, we both like fucking Star Wars? Okay, well then, we can just talk about that. Build fucking bridges, man. Because I just see a lot of this stuff, some celebrity says a sentence that's wrong, and then and then everyone, like, turns on them and like, oh, cancel their stuff, cancel it. Oh, I'm gonna cancel this, man, cancel that guy, cancel this, cancel that. Like, fucking cancel you, you fucking piece of shit. If you're willing to go out and be a human being in this world, and think that you can fucking cancel people because they say something you don't like? That is fucked up! Look, of course there's assholes out there, of course there is. I know it's hard, and I know I've had people in my life that I've cut out of my life, but I didn't do it without giving them a fucking chance. When I cut somebody out, it's because, it, this is just- this is affecting my health. Like, my continued interaction with you is affecting my health. But you better believe, like, I mean, I have a lot of friends who I disagree with strongly. But I don't go, oh, you're not my friend anymore. Like, I've got childhood friends. I lived in a small town, and they have small town values, and that's, you know, a euphemism for stuff. I don't fucking say, well, you know, uh, sure, we've been friends since we were literally like fucking three, but, uh, you know, you like a different political party than I do, so you're not my friend anymore. Like, fuck you. I have a history with these people. I'm not going to fucking discount people I've known all of my life because they do or say things that I disagree with. In fact, it's those people who are so important to have in your life. Because now I only make friends with people who we have a connection with. You You have the friends you were raised with when you were a kid. Then you go away to college or university. And then you pretty much just make friends with people who are interested in the same stuff as you right? Because that's how it works. You know, you you go to painting school and you end up being friends with a bunch of painters. And you talk about art all day. But with your childhood friends, you get older and you go, holy fuck, like these people grew into people who are so different than me, but we're still connected because of our history with each other. And as you get older, it's like the friends you make are all because you have some connection. You know, you don't don't just become friends because you're in the same room with each other. You know, you become friends because, you know, like I'm making friends with people as I'm interviewing them on the show. You know, I mean, like that's, I am I'm making friends with people because I'm playing their music, and we already know we have common ground because being into Synthwave means more than just, I like this sound. It means, hey, the 80s were cool. Hey, I probably like video games, too. Hey, I probably like the same movies you like. Hey, Blade Runner's cool. I like Robocop. You know, like, liking Synthwave, just saying, I like Synthwave, means a lot of things, and I think that's really important. And I'm not going to discount any of you because you have different opinions. I can't believe I keep turning this into a rant. (laughs) The point is, love thy neighbor, motherfuckers. Let's listen to some more music. Also, if someone says something that's offensive, like, just fucking tune it out, man. I've been doing it my whole life. You know what's offensive to me? The fucking radio. Do you see me fucking emailing and going on Twitter and complaining about the fucking shitty radio station? Just like, why do you guys play the same fucking five songs every day over and over again? Like, that offends me. I don't go on some fucking... I'm doing a rant about it now. Let's listen to some good music. (laughs) (laughs) So, here's a track from the TCR... From the album Wave Punk. And uh, I think I might literally just be playing this song because I like the title. (laughs) So (laughs) just know that that's why. Uh, It's called Darth Spader. (laughs) The title won me over, all right? So we're going to listen to this song. This is Darth Spader by the TCR. TCR. was Darth Spader by the TCR. Great title. And that, of course, was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters. In the $25 Club, there's Emilio Estevez, Christian James, and Mike Shima. Now, I have a question. With people being sort of deflatformed. (laughs) Deplatformed from YouTube and stuff, what are the alternatives? Because... I've looked at some of them, but the problem is, right now there's, like, some... It's censorship going on of people, and they feel as though they're being censored because they have conservative voices. But the thing is this. I think it's good to spread out to different platforms besides the main ones, like YouTube and and Facebook and stuff, because... It just makes sense. If if companies are going to, at certain points in time, decide that what you do isn't good and is going to be removed from their platform, you should have an alternative place to have a platform. But the problem is right now, since it's all like kind of conservative conspiracy stuff that's getting deplatformed, the alternatives are all just kind of conservative conspiracy stuff which I don't like you know like I've looked at minds.com and Bitshoot, and like their home pages are all just you know right wing conspiracy stuff because that's where they all went you know when they get removed from YouTube and stuff so I don't know like because I feel like hey maybe I'll put the show on those platforms too but I'm like yeah but then I'm just associated with people I don't want to be associated with <laughs> so I don't know what to do what do you do man like honestly like, what do you do tell me Somebody tell me what to do. Someone's got to create, like, the reasonable YouTube or something. Because I love, like, you know... Someone will say some opinion that's conservative and then they get their their stream blocked or whatever. And then, like, I watch that new Kanye West video (laughs) where they're just walking around in those, like, those giant block suits. And it's just really offensive, but it's fine. Like, I... I, My... God, I feel like an old man. Uh, hey... Let's go to the Patreon to see who uh, if we got some new donors this week.
2: Alright,
1: what do we got? In the Patreon, well, we got a new donor, the Axel Effect. Hey, the Axle Effect. You're a cool guy. Technically, I think, uh, started doning and uh, donate, doning. Doning. <laughs> Remember when you started doning, buddy? Um, in August, but uh, my notifications got pushed down and I didn't even notice it, so I feel bad. Also, a uh, new Beyond Synth donor, Anthony Anselmo. Last episode I mentioned the episodes of Star Trek that Florence was getting me to watch and Anthony messaged me and said, well, if you're watching those, you gotta watch this one too to get it and blah, blah, blah. So I did. I watched actually a few more episodes of Star Trek than I was supposed to. Uh, and then I also watched something called Dharma there's another episode <laughs> fucking Darmok and Jalad <laughs> I just fucking oh, okay that's a that's a reference for the Star Trek nerds when the walls fell and then uh, also a new Beyond Synth donor Luke Timmermans hey Luke Timmermans thanks for supporting Beyond Synth and uh, what do we got we got another new one hey Mr. Gimpson Hello, Mr. Gimpson. I like that name. It's funny. Uh, thank you for supporting Beyond Synth. You're all cool people. And if you want to uh, join them and supporting this lovely program, please go to patreon.com slash beyondsynth or go to beyondsynth.com and click on the donate button. Now let's listen to some more music. Here's a track from Alone Wolf from the album Floating. And uh, this it's not an album. It's a single. <laughs> shows how much I. Uh, it, uh, anyway, look, here it is. A oh man, listen to the song. This is Floating by a Lone Wolf. And that was Floating by A Lone Wolf. And uh, that's a cool track. And uh, yeah, dig it. So how about this? As I mentioned, we're going to start changing the Retro Revolutions plug because I was always saying the same thing every week. So now Jared is going to join me every week for a quick little segment where uh, we'll talk about modding and what he does and who he is and all that shit. So uh, let's go chat with Jared. All right, well, it's time for a Retro Revolutions Minute. I guess that's what we'll call this thing. Uh, I'm here with Jared, the guy behind uh, Retro Revolutions. How's it going? Yeah, good, buddy. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. So the listeners of Beyond Synth know because for, you know, the better part of a year, I've been doing these Retro Revolutions plugs for your YouTube channel and stuff, and so I thought it would be a good idea, uh, instead of doing those, for people just to sort of get
3: to know who you are and, like, what Retro Revolutions is. That's, like, the idea. Uh, Yeah, where do you start? There's not much to it, really. I just kind of picked up the soldering iron one day and my background is in electronics and all that sort of stuff but we just started playing with some old retro consoles one day me and a mate and we just picked up with it and then we really just needed some background music and then we just found the whole synth wave genre which was completely fucking amazing because we've got all these 80s inspired movie and action movie sounding soundtracks and you know just really awesome stuff so it's just grown and grown and grown and now it's just got ridiculous man i don't know where it, where it stops and where it starts these days so explain who you are exactly because you live in new zealand that's correct yeah uh australian living in new zealand so i moved over here and uh set up my electronics lab and yeah it's pretty good man just um loving what i do here my job during the day, I'm an like, electrical engineer. I work with the power lines and power systems, but in the afternoons, I get home and tinker around with retro consoles, but uh, it's just getting chaotic, to be honest.
1: So if you could explain what Retro Revolutions
3: is in the briefest amount of possible, what would you say? We make retro consoles that uh, you would dream of but never could imagine existing. So things that weren't meant to exist could exist in your mind, concept to creation basically.
1: By taking actual old consoles and soldering them and putting in new components and stuff like that?
3: Yeah that's right and we work with people all around the world. Some people come up with different systems and ideas and we integrate them into some of these builds we're doing. So whatever you can think of like the whole process can take about six months to what you see the finished product but um, we give a real shortened down version of everything that goes into building it and then we put it in a video format. So if you're any kind of technically monitored you can play along at home and make your own we try to use broken or not so good condition consoles because it's quite sacrilege to destroy perfectly working old retro tech you know
1: i've done a fair bit of that in my life though man i've destroyed a fair number of vcrs and stuff to <laughs> to get the circuit boards yeah. and old computers to get the motherboard so i can glue them to robot costumes yeah
3: it's yeah. Uh fucking hard to put the smoke in when it's pouring back out. Yeah. <laughs> can't get it back in very easy.
1: <laughs> Alright, man. Well, look, uh, it was good talking to you. People should go check out Retro
3: Revolutions on YouTube. Yeah, you just type that in anywhere and Google it and it'll take you all the links these days. It's getting pretty popular, so yeah, you'll find me everywhere. Cool, man. Well, it was good talking to you. Thanks, man. Alright, and that was
1: Jared with the Retro... Minute Revolution or whatever the <laughs> whatever the hell we're calling it. And Jared mentioned to me that he wanted to request a song. Request. God, I can't even say words. And uh, Jared wants to listen to Moonrunner by Droid Bishop. And of course, Droid Bishop is one of the best. So let's listen to that. This is Moonrunner by Droid Bishop. And that was droid bishop with the track moon runner brought to you by my lovely patreon pattersons in the 25 dollar club there's joey and kendra gregorio franco and chris dance all awesome people in my book so let's go chat with Robert Parker let's let's all calm down here all right Andy needs to calm down so that's what I'm gonna do but you guys help me out man let me know is there other places you know alternatives that I can post things shows and stuff where the the audience isn't a bunch of weirdos (laughs) Ah, whatever what's wrong with weirdos right we're all weirdos I salute you weirdos who listen to this show. I'm happy you do. I enjoy making it. And It was really weird. I got like, I, I kind of teared up. What? <laughs> what is happening to me? Ah! <laughs> I I why is that an emotional thing? Okay. Think I'm going through menopause. <laughs> Look, let's go chat with Robert Parker. I had fun chatting with him, and uh, yeah, here he is. So, I'm here right now with Robert Parker. How's it going, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. So, is that your actual name, or do you have an actual name?
4: Uh, Well, both yes and no. Uh, It's a version of my name in combination with uh, an old family name, to be honest.
1: Okay. Okay. Is it a secret? Is your real name a secret? No, but if we ever meet in
4: real life, I will tell you all about it. Okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, next time you're in Toronto, or if I'm in Sweden, I guess.
4: Yeah, exactly. It might be not that long, to be honest.
1: You've been here before, haven't you?
4: Yeah, a few years ago.
1: I should say this up front, because I've been doing this show for many years, and sometimes there are certain artists who, for whatever reason, like years pass, and this is what happened basically just recently I'm like why the fuck have I not talked to Robert Parker like you've just had this name that I've always recognized Mm -hmm. you know like within the synth scene and and I, it's it's just weird that it's taken me this long to chat with you, because it seems like something I probably should have done, like, many years ago. But anyways, here we are.
4: No, that's fine. I mean, you've done this for quite some time now, right? For five or six years or something? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Cool. Just the way, like, the scheduling works out, and then I'm also a very disorganized mm. guy. <laughs> so <laughs> so sometimes things are sort of... And then, then after a while, it's like, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but... Uh, Like, I'm the kind of person when I work at a job, if I have a normal job, or even in real life, I always forget to ask people what their names are. So they'll tell Mm. me once, I'll shake their hand and say, oh, so-and-so. And And then I'll forget their name, and then enough time passes where it's embarrassing (laughs) to ask them what their name is. Yeah. It's sort of a similar situation where... You know, it's just so much time has passed that now it's just like, oh, it's it's almost weird that I haven't had you on the show. So anyway, whatever.
4: <laughs> well, I'm also really bad with names. I, I I never forget a face, but sometimes you know I can meet someone in the city, like, yeah, I recognize you, but I don't remember your name. And mm-hmm. nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the fear is. Is that it makes you look like an asshole? Like if you have to ask someone's name and they feel like especially if they know your name, I think that's the problem. Mm, Yeah. Is if someone knows your name, it's just like, oh hey Robert you know, and you're like, Mm. yeah, and you've known them for like two years and and it's like, oh no, like, anyway, whatever.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I I got stuck with an elevator with a girl recently uh, and she just looked at me and was like Hey, I know you. You look exactly like you did in kindergarten. Well, we went to kindergarten together, but I I have totally forgotten about her. Well, that was an embarrassing moment, but that's the kind of story of my life, you know. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So you're still recognizable from your kindergarten version of you?
4: Yeah, that's why I have a beard, you know, because if I would shave, I would look like I was 12 years old or something.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel like everyone... I know there's a certain age where your face sort of morphs. I feel like everyone has like three stages. Like when you're a baby, all babies kind of look the same. Hmm. And then I know people always act like, I I mean, I know like with my own children, you know, where they're babies Hmm. and relatives would be like, oh, it looks so much like you. And it's like, (laughs) no, it doesn't. Like, fuck off. Like I've got like a pointy nose. Like there's no such thing as a baby with a pointy nose. Like they're all the same. (laughs) And then there's like them in kid mode. And then there's that moment where they just grow up and they sort of look different So when I look back at pictures of me as a kid, you know, there's like, I pretty much look the same. From about, you know, like 3 till, you know, maybe 11 or something. And then all of a sudden you just do that, there's that switch. And then you look at the photo album and there's the year that you just sort of look like you do for the rest of your life. Mm.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. During your teenage years, your face is like uh, always a bit um, disorganized. You know, yeah. the <laughs> eyes uh, and the chin grow in one uh, direction and then you, like the rest of the face, uh, catches on uh, a few years later. Yeah, I-, I know what you mean.
1: It's like uh, the werewolf Movies in the 80s, you know, when they would be like yeah, more exactly. and their when faces like stretch around.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, man, what's going on? In, you're in Sweden, man. That's where you're from. So, you, uh, and it's nighttime right there right now. You enjoying the the Stockholm nightlife?
4: Yeah, no, not really. I'm, I'm I'm, at home, but it's really, we have this strange Mediterranean heat. It's still 29 Celsius outside, even though it's uh, 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. Everyone is sweating like hell, and you know, but the, I don't know, maybe this is the same thing in the entire world, but in Sweden, uh, people always complain about the weather, like, oh, it's too hot, oh, it's raining again, oh, it's too mm. cold again. But no, I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's really nice. You know, you can go out, you can be outside, you can have a swim, you are clothes dry immediately. It's hot but it's all good.
1: Oh, We're having this similar thing here because I'm in Canada. Yeah, we're having a a crazy heat wave, but it's even getting hotter than that. Really? This is this is a weird thing because I don't know what order these episodes are going to air, but I just recorded a few interviews over the last few days and everyone's been Swedish. Really? I've done a few uh, chiptune-themed shows, hmm. and so I talked to uh, a dude called uh, Sabutam, hmm. who's Swedish, and Zalza, okay. or Salsa, he calls himself, which he's also yeah. Swedish. Yeah. And I feel like I talked to the weather with, with all of them, and it was the same thing, because <laughs> I've recorded these interviews in a, the same Span of time and so we're having the same thing here except I think like last week it went up to 40 here.
4: Oh, oh, that's
1: crazy and humid because we're in Toronto. So with all the pollution mm. and shit, so it's fucking humid and 40 like it's it's the worst.
4: Oh, that was crazy! Yeah, I, I I never met Salsa, but I know about him because in the spring of two thousand and sixteen, I played in uh, in Melbourne, in Australia, mm. at a festival called uh, the um, the Square Sounds Festival, and sure. uh, that's sort of a chip tune slash. Synth festival, and they have tried to at least for the last four or five years. They have incorporated maybe at least thirty percent of the acts are like synthwave or synth uh, inspired, more like more than just playing uh, chip tune. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw his name; he was supposed to play with me from the get go, but for some reason he canceled or couldn't go or or so. But yeah, but he, uh, he I think he's from uh, Stockholm as well.
1: I'm learning a bit more about the whole chip tune scene, and and it seems to. Like, there's a lot of it happening in that part of the world. now. It's like in Sweden and Finland and these other places. It seems like a lot of the artists from there, even Mitch Murder, he started out fucking making chiptune too, man. It's crazy.
4: Yeah, I mean long before I met Mitch Murder in person I met all his uh, chiptune pals. They played a lot of uh, live shows in the end of the 90s and the beginning of the 2000s. It was uh, quite a big uh, thing here in Sweden back then. It's still quite popular but they have like one big event each year but basically that's it. I think it's bigger in in other parts of the world like uh, Great Britain and Russia and um, a few other places.
1: Well, how about this, man? Let's get started uh, diving into the, the Robert Parker catalog. <laughs> and... Um we'll listen to some tunes and so now some of your early stuff you were actually doing like kind of orchestral things I'm gonna sort of skip forward to when like the kind of the more synth wavy sounds sounds happen
4: yeah sure go ahead but
1: that stuff is good too (laughs) I was listening to your album uh, From the Depths and there's like some cool stuff in there
4: yeah I'm sort of mixing uh, synthesizers with uh, orchestral stuff yeah Mm -hmm.
1: but uh, what we're gonna listen to now is from the album Drive Sweat Play (laughs) and this is uh, Highway's Star. that was highway star by robert parker (laughs) i'm here with robert parker right now from sweden just hanging out that's right so how did you get started making music then? Because since your first stuff was kind of more orchestral, did you go to music school or did you have a different idea of what you wanted your sound to be?
4: Yeah, well, I always experimented with music to be honest. But yeah, yeah, I did. I, I went to music school. I I, I was classically trained uh, in piano. I started out when I was seven years old, and I uh, I went on until I was uh, well, basically until I graduated from high school when I was eighteen or nineteen. Though the last two years I played the the church organ instead of the piano but I'm born in 1980 so when I started making electronic music I was maybe 17 or 18 and I sort of jumped on the uh, tracker uh, community train which was in in many ways quite similar to the synthwave community right now everyone knows everyone and everyone is inspired by everyone and you have this common platform where you both uh, discuss and upload and make music so did you ever go to any of
1: those like demo scene parties?
4: no I, I never made it to the live scene I I, I know a lot of people did that back then, but I just uh, stayed behind my computer back then. I started to make music on a computer when I was 17. I remember I I was thinking like, man, this is too late. I'm too bad at this. I will never be able to do anything electronic because uh, I should have learned this when I was younger, you know. (laughs) Uh, It's it's too late. It's too late. Why do you think like that? But yeah, I I did it back then. I felt like uh, this is too late because I listened to all these other guys, Uh, because it was like 95% guys, even though there were a few few girls, but, you know, who made these incredible tracks on, you know, Fast Tracker was the most popular one, at least in my area, Fast Tracker 2. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, I think one or two, made it quite big back then, you know? They went to demo parties around the world and uh, they had quite a big audience. Uh, And then sort of everything along with the... Development of other musical programs, this kind of scene died out. And um, I had also a big musical hiatus. I was studying at college and I had no money. I couldn't afford a computer. I had like a guitar and a flute and I played in an Irish folk music band and it w- we were paid in beer for our gigs.
1: <laughs> wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> 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 okay, you were in a Swedish... Irish folk band?
4: Yeah, and none of us had ever visited Ireland or anything, but we liked the sound, so we just, hey, let's start an Irish folk music band, and it was so much fun.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. It's, I mean, it's, it's just music, but it's, it, it's a funny thing to me. I don't know why.
4: A long story short, the Swedish folk music scene and the Irish folk music scene are very similar, they are just a few chord progressions apart, to be Mm -hmm. honest, they're quite similar so the leap is not that big to be honest, but yeah, yeah, and I mean you don't need any amplifiers or any I mean you can just walk into a bar with your equipment and start to sing and play, yeah that's uh, kind of fun.
1: So did you just play like traditional style ballads or did you make original music?
4: No, we only uh, played like uh, the Irish Evergreens and uh, mixed it with a lot of Scottish folk music as well, but yeah, we were all um, singing and uh, playing uh, like traditional tunes.
1: If you said you got your start doing like trackers and stuff, so does that mean there is like chip tune music of yours out there?
4: Yeah, but I mean that was done in the '90s, so I think I had them in an old computer somewhere, but it would be quite difficult to dig them out.
1: I was chatting to Mitch Murder and he sent me a link to a chip disk file or something.
4: Yeah, there are a few of his old tracks available out there.
1: Yeah, and what, what he used to be called when he was a, a chiptune artist. Yeah,
4: Data Kid or Data Boy or something. Data
1: Child, I think. Data Child, yeah, that's right. But I couldn't load it because I'm on a Mac and the uh, the chip disk is an EXE file, so.
4: Ah, uh, well, I, I have them all, so I can send them to you some, sometime. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's, always, it's always fun because like he, he just does not want to do the show because I'll always bug him to come on here and do the show but he's a very private guy <laughs> the other day I tried to I was trying to convince him like why don't you come on the show but do it as data child <laughs> don't do it as Mitch murder and then like do it the I think that would be really funny but anyway whatever what were you actually doing in music school
4: mostly piano and um, I studied a while at the university as well both musical theory mu- musical history and uh, composition but then I ended up in med school and this was just like it became a hobby instead
1: wait what what do you mean so like are you uh, did you finish med school
4: yeah yeah sure I, I work as a doctor
1: what <laughs> <laughs> look we're gonna listen to music and then obviously we gotta talk about that cause that's cool <laughs>
4: Yeah, you have any rashes or any like skin uh, changes you want to show me? Oh, dude, I got
1: tons of problems. Oh, look, we'll, we're gonna listen to this song here, "Money Talks" from 2015, because this is a cool track, and then we will uh, we'll keep talking, man. So this is "Money Talks" by Robert Parker. And that was Robert Parker with the track Money Talks. (laughs) I'm here with Robert Parker right now, who has just informed me that you are a doctor.
4: Yeah. What? I sort of never talked about it because um, I noticed when I met people that they treated me quite differently when they uh, found out. But uh, about a year ago, I made an interview with uh, Time Out Beijing, then they wrote quite a lot about it, like, he he talks about his uh, secret double life as a doctor and a musician, blah, 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 something like that. So, and then a lot of people found out, so then I felt like, okay, yeah, well, I will just not keep it a... Yeah, a secret anymore
1: <laughs> okay so th- that's crazy I mean I think but but no one would respond negatively right I mean when I hear someone's a doctor that implies to me that this is a person who has uh, completed a, a, a large amount of education and, and who is doing a good thing right for the world obviously like doctors are important do you just work, like, in a hospital, or do you have, like, a practice? How does it work? Because you're in Sweden, right? Yeah, yeah,
4: the system is basically the same as in uh, Canada and the United States. You have, like, uh, GPs, you know, family doctors, mm-hmm. and you have hospital doctors, so that's, like, the thing. And uh, I'm working in both fields, so I both work as a GP, and I also work as an ER doctor at the ER. That's the thing in Sweden, you you don't really have to uh, become a, a niche specialty. You can be quite broad in your practice if you like. Mm-hmm. And that's quite convenient for me because honestly, since a few years back, I work part time, both to have time with my family, but also to be able to produce music because I really like to do Mm -hmm. music, you know, you can sort of uh, arrange how much you work and uh, how much time off.
1: I mean, I think that's similar to how it works in Canada because, I mean, we uh, we have socialized healthcare here. I think the way, that, like, my family doctor is the same thing. Like, we have a family doctor and he's got an office mm. and he's there sometimes, but then they... I don't know if it's part of the contract, if they're, like, just a general practitioner where, like, they can have their little office and meet with people, but then a few days a week he's got to be in the ER.
4: Yeah, yeah, exactly. In, in the bigger cities, like in Stockholm, you can do... Basically, you can choose whatever you like. You can just have uh, booked appointments all day, if you like, or if you're like me... You want to have, like, an adrenaline rush sometimes Mm -hmm. and receive uh, people with uh, wounds and gunshots and fractures. You can do that as well, but you you can can choose.
1: So being a musician must be a good hobby to have, you know, since you're always using your hands, I guess. You can reinforce your hand-eye coordination and shit like that. And it's just good to have a hobby, I guess.
4: My opinion is this. I think whatever you work with, uh, you always need to have like a creative hobby. It might be anything like painting or writing or sculpturing or dancing or music or poetry or uh, something. But I firmly believe that everyone needs to have a creative hobby that's not your main income source. Mm-hmm. Now I'm getting a bit serious. <laughs> yeah. But I really mean this because I think a lot of people, they spend their entire life with their nine to five jobs, working, sleeping, eating, you know. But if you want to leave something to the world when you're gone, you need to have a creative activity as well.
1: These are the only people who I kind of don't understand, you know, because everyone's different, obviously, and mm. we all have different interests and stuff, but like, I have met people that don't really seem to have hobbies Mm. and they're like okay with it Mm. and I'm always I always find that super interesting (laughs) because I'm like really like you know I'll find it like what do you do and like I just go home and you know watch the news and sit around I'm like but you don't want to, like, play golf or something or paint or read, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's weird to me when people don't. Yeah, yeah, I know. Because I feel like, I I've, I've thought that was sort of an innate thing and all people, this need to just do stuff.
4: Yeah, I know. I mean, I guess there. I mean, those kind of people needs to be in the world as well. <laughs> but I could never do that. I would, uh, I, I could do it for a week or two and then my I would get restless and feel
1: like, oh, I need to do, I need to do something. <laughs> so how many years was the... Uh, The doctor education?
4: Well, in Sweden, it's like a three part kind of thing. Uh, You have med school for five and a half years and then you have like a residency mm-hmm. uh, or internship i don't know the difference but we know when, when you get your license to practice which is two years yes and after that you can sort of dive into a niche like you can be an orth- orthopedic surgeon or like a plastic surgeon or a general practitioner or a gynecologist or whatever and that's uh, five more years so basically it's five and a half plus two years plus five years. I
1: mean, because you said you're doing like general practitioning, like was there any niches that you actually were more interested in?
4: Yeah, yeah, I tried for two and a half years. I was working as a pathologist, but you know, after 250 autopsies and a lot of microscopic diagnosis I was quite fed up with it, and I wanted to have patience again, so I quit and changed direction.
1: So I imagine it wasn't as exciting as CSI. You ever seen that stupid show CSI from the States? No,
4: I know about it. I, I never watched it, but yeah, I, I know about it. But it's very, in real life, it's very undramatic, you know?
1: <laughs> Does that change your perspective on things, like, to see humans in that way? You look at so many, like, hundreds of these cadavers or whatever and just sort of like like, does it change your perspective?
4: Uh, yeah, I, I think like the the concept of death was very undramatic. Like a side effect was like I could never take like all these um, death metal uh, and those kind of uh, people seriously like oh I'm so dark I'm so... <laughs> <lava."> you know, <laughs> you know uh, not because I was like offended by it uh, because I'm basically never offended by anything mm-hmm. but it's very undramatic and it's not like exciting in any way it's like okay yeah whatever yeah yeah yeah. these arteries they they're like really hard like a pipe because this guy smokes i shouldn't smoke maybe that was one of the conclusions
1: right yeah 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 i guess so it's it's <laughs> funny because when you say even that just like that like pipe it's like do you see the human body as more of like a machine
4: yeah i guess so i'm i mean i'm not religious in any way i i'm definitely an atheist but i'm still very humbled i mean um, about the uh The human species, it's a very interesting species, it's uh, quite impressive in many ways. (laughs) I was a bit uh, disgusted the first weeks, and then uh, that passed, and I was just like, it was very undramatic for a few years.
1: (laughs) That's super interesting, man. (laughs) You gotta understand, I talk to so many people on this show, and I love doing it, and I I oftentimes we're just sitting there talking about video games and movies and stuff like this, so I don't want to dwell on the doctor thing, but at the same time, this is like one of the more unique stories. (laughs) No, it's okay. Okay, good, because I'm going to ask you more questions. (laughs) (laughs) but we're first we're gonna listen to another track because obviously the music is good too and and, yes we will talk about it i don't want to scare the audience into thinking it's just going to be questions about autopsies but there's (laughs) there's going to be some all right so let's uh, move forward here to the album crystal city and this was a cool song that i dug this is sweet nothings by robert parker was robert parker with the track "Sweet nothings i'm here with dr robert parker right now <laughs> man so that is crazy so is your schedule normal like do you have to work nights like i guess if you're in the er do you get to do it in the daytime or are those like crazy like 12 hour shifts like how does that work
4: i have a very uh, luxurious position that i can choose how i work and uh Yeah, I really like night shifts, to be honest, and I've done that from time to time, but for the last two years I I only work day or evening shifts, so I can sleep during the night.
1: Because obviously you've done some tours and you're going places and playing your music and stuff, so how does that factor in with your actual work? I mean, are you getting time off? Are you just like, this is your holiday time and you're using it to tour? Are they flexible? Like, is your schedule flexible enough that you can actually...
4: Yeah, yeah, I have a very understanding boss. Basically the only thing he says is like, yeah, you can Go on one condition that you send me some pictures of your show. yeah so uh, that's never a problem and I mean uh, basically in Sweden you can you can work any way you like you don't have to work full-time you can work like 20 percent or 40 60 80 you can you can choose basically you can adapt it to your lifestyle
1: you should uh, prescribe your music to patients <laughs> like when they come with a problem like I think you need some sweet tunes from Robert Parker and then like <laughs> you've got like a CD already to give them w- what exactly does a pathologist do
4: well a lot of people think they do autopsis all the time, but they don't Nowadays, you don't do many autopsies, maybe in the 80s, you did quite a lot, but maybe that's five, 5% of the uh, actual work time. And the rest of the time, you look in a microscope, and you diagnose uh, cancer tumors, and you uh, check what kind of antibodies they have on them. Uh, and then you uh, write an answer to the uh, oncologist, and to the surgeon, and the uh, radiologist, and you have like a multidisciplinary conference with those kind of people about the patient how you're supposed to treat them in the best way.
1: So then that position was mostly like lab work then?
4: Yeah, I, I wouldn't call it lab work really because you're, you're not really sitting in a lab, you, you're sitting by a microscope and uh, you can do that at home if you like or uh, right now it's becoming more digitalized so you can uh, they scan all the images and you can sit in your apartment in the Riviera and uh, look at pictures and then you can go and have a swim and then you can work a little bit more.
1: There must be like software now that's getting more and more Sophisticated at being able to do like preliminary. Yeah. Is any of that yeah. involved in the work where like the computer can sort of get you started and then maybe it needs the human doctor to sort of...
4: Yeah, definitely. It's more developed in the cardiology when you, you look at electrocardiograms and in um, radiology, but it's uh, becoming more and more um, used in pathology as well. I, I was actually involved with a research uh, project where we uh, looked at cancer cells and we looked like the nuclei of the cells Because when you have uh, cancer cells, the first thing usually that become changed uh, and look different is the nucleus of the cell. We developed actually like a pattern recognition program. I don't know if you know the term diffusion tensor imaging. (laughs)
1: Hey, man, we're talking about that all the time on this show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
4: well, no, but it <laughs> uh, long story short, we tried to develop a program that recognized the abnormal cell nuclei in advance and could sort that out to the doctor. So they didn't have to look tr- through as many images as they would have done in the first place.
1: Yeah, that's cool, man. I mean, because I imagine that's the way it's going to be going. Because I mean, obviously, a more like a, a doctor who's trained for more years might have a better eye for spotting that stuff yeah. quickly. I imagine, but I'm sure as the like the artificial intelligence improves, like a lot of that might be up to the computer to find first.
4: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's definitely growing.
1: When you guys are working on that sort of programming, did it involve like sending images to different doctors, like in that? field? to sort of test what they could see versus what the computer could see?
4: Yeah, definitely. If, if, you, if you're making a scientific paper, uh, the best kind of study is the randomized control study. So it's like uh, if you do a double-blind study, you're comparing something and uh, both the all the involved subjects are not really aware of what's the control object and the real uh, thing. Mm-hmm. That's the, the highest form of uh, scientific study you can do.
1: So did you produce... Images? Then I guess in the double-blind test, like, would you like show a doctor, give them like a stack of images or on a computer, and then you you knew that like there's a few here that are false, and then there's like some false positives or whatever, and like see and see what the
4: yeah yeah exactly yeah you got the idea.
1: So does that mean that your name is on a paper like a scientific paper?
4: I don't know. I don't think we never ever uh, you know since I left the field, you know, I don't work as a pathologist anymore. Yes, we tried this out uh, for a while, but it never become uh, you know need to publish it in a British medical journal or, you know, some scientific paper uh, in order to get published. I don't think you can find my name over there. Uh, It was, uh, I I left before we came to that part.
1: Are you saying that there's people walking around taking credit for your hard work before this thing goes to peer review?
4: (laughs) No, it's okay. I mean, I, I deliberately chose to not work as a pathologist anymore because I wanted to do different things so that's perfectly fine you know you can't do everything
1: that's cool man (laughs) you seem like an interesting guy You're only a year older than me but when i think about what i do and what my life is there's something very adult about the profession of doctor <laughs> and so i feel like i feel like it brings with it a certain prestige you know like when i'm i'm literally like hiding away in the, you know <laughs> recording a fucking <laughs> internet radio show <laughs> like it's, <laughs>
4: it's ridiculous i think it's different to different countries you know i think in sweden both the salary system you know the way you get paid and uh, the amount you have to work and you the amount you need to work if you compare like to extreme situations like the united states and sweden mm-hmm. in sweden even though we have like different salaries for different occupations of course we do it's not like communist russia or something yeah, yeah, yeah the difference is not as big as you might think which means that if you work four days a week as a construction workers basically you earn the same salary as you would do if you work like 60 percent as a doctor Right. So, the difference is not that big. I think the difference is bigger in the United States, but then, you know, you have the social security system, you have to pay insurances and everything.
1: I guess that's a way of sort of keeping people focused on occupations that actually interest them. Yeah. It's interesting, yeah, because if you're driven by money, you might go into a profession because it pays a lot. Yeah, exactly. But then, and you might not have the passion to do it, but then you might develop that passion because the money's there, so it might still be like a driving factor. Because Canada's sort of in the middle, because we're not... I mean, we're not necessarily like a socialist country, but mm. we do have socialized healthcare, mm. and it's funny because when people talk about it, when I hear like Americans talk about it, I think they have sort of like a different perspective of what that actually means mm-hmm. Cause, because yeah. they always use the term free healthcare, mm. which is incorrect, because <laughs> you know, like we, we pay uh, taxes, but what I've always liked about it, I mean, this is what I say whenever I, I, I talk to Americans about healthcare, and I just say, you know what, because I've seen people do the math, you know, I see sometimes like Americans you know, who, who don't like that idea, they'll say, you know, if you actually just paid you know, you went like once a year for a cold. Mm. You should have only paid, you know, 200 bucks for the thing and you paid more in taxes. But what what I've always liked is just the peace of mind, mm. because anytime I feel like something's coming up or I don't feel good or I've got a pain or whatever... I just like being able to go to a walk-in clinic or, or emergency and not have the stress of, you know, knowing that I'm going to have to pay. It's weird. It's like a peace of mind thing. Yeah. Because we don't have dental. Like, dental isn't covered in our, in our healthcare system. No, not in Sweden either. And no. when you have to pay, that does change your... How, you know, there was a period of time where I didn't go to the dentist for a lot of years just because I didn't have a job with the insurance and I wasn't under my family's insurance anymore. And I just thought, man, I would hate to think of healthcare in that same way of like, I'm not going to go to the doctor because I don't have the money to go for that checkup. Mm, mm, In that respect, that's why I like the system that way.
4: Yeah, I agree. I I agree with you. I mean, there are a lot of situations where it's not your fault that you get sick. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good thing that everyone helps out when that happens, you know? Yeah. Because sometimes you can get sick because you're reckless in some way, but most of the time... It's because it's not your fault. In this world, all the countries needs to be a little bit different. And some countries are more extreme and some countries are more like... And uh, in this case, the US is a little bit different, mm-hmm. for better and for worse. But I think the Swedish and the Canadian system is quite similar in this way.
1: They, they slowly sort of keep taking away things. Like with <laughs> that's, that's been the, the, the case uh, in Canada. There always seems to be like, oh, they're cutting this out now, and they're cutting that out now. But the mm. the basics is still there. But yeah. That's all politics. My brain isn't smart enough to comprehend. <laughs> <laughs> but look, man, I want to listen to some more music. And we're going to listen to this cool track by Robert Parker. This is the love theme featuring Maythelvin... And that was Love Theme, featuring Maythelvin by Robert Barker it's weird when i say it that way it should be love theme by robert parker featuring may felvin whatever <laughs> i guess yeah. we, we can talk about music now but i don't know that i'm gonna ever talk to another synth musician who's also a doctor so
4: <laughs> no that's all
1: right i mean i've had a, i've had a doctor on the show before but he's a skeptic <laughs> so that's not it's not, not quite the same thing i don't think he's in a band so talk a bit about uh, making the tunes and what's your setup like
4: it's always different because I'm never satisfied. So I always try out different things, which is a bad thing in one way because then it takes much longer to make the tunes. i try to mix hardware synthesizers with software programs. Uh, I want it to be fun. Uh, I don't want it to be practical in any way. So sometimes I can uh, record uh, things from a hardware synthesizers and sometimes I make a track completely like in, in the computer. I would never, use a synthesizer just because it's a synthesizer and I would never just use the computer just because it's practical. I try to alternate a lot but I always need to um, feel that it's creative and fun. So uh, right now I'm in a phase where I basically only use my computer but I guess that will change.
1: So how does that uh, translate over to your the live shows? To
4: be honest for the last two years I use more hardware synthesizers in my live shows than in my recording equipment because it's uh, much more fun to have like an unpredictable uh, situation when you play live i mean it's supposed to be live right my main idea when i started to do live shows from the beginning that i don't want to uh, press a button and i don't know if you ever seen this clip with uh, i don't remember what kind of dj it was like oh, i'm going to press the button i pressed the button yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want it to be unpredictable so uh, and I want it to be a little bit unsecure, you know, so I don't really even though I have like a basic idea when I'm going to play, when I play live it's always a bit different because the drum patterns and the synthesizers I can sort of tweak them in real time.
1: I mean, how, how long have you actually been taking the, the act live? How many years? Almost five
4: years now. I played one
1: set in uh,
4: 2013 but it was not really under my artist name but my first live show was in August 2014 at the um, Flashback Future Disco in Helsinki. Right. We had a setup that we will never use again because it was an all-synthesizer setup. We packed all our synthesizers and drum machines into a huge van and we went over by boat to uh, Helsinki and the sound check took like four hours before we were finished. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> everything went fine when we played, but you know, we felt like, no, this is too complicated. We cannot really do this. We you know we had this simmons drum set you know those hexagonal pads you know this really 80s drum uh, set i had one two three four five keyboard synthesizers and like four rack effects and i played with wave shaper he had basically the same setup we had a lot of fun but you know we felt like if we ever play anywhere that's more far than finland we cannot really do this because we will never be able to charge anyone with the uh, paying us for doing this setup so we had had to be a little bit more pragmatic and we both uh, do live shows with a combination of uh, the unpredictable situation of uh, tweaking things in the computer and outside of the computer so
1: well if you still want to make the setup look the same just have a bunch of like cardboard keyboards (laughs)
3: like
1: three-dimensional so you can just set them on stage and so it looks the same but you're really only playing like one i watched this This hilarious video. Do you remember that song, Blue?
4: I'm blue and bad and lean, Yeah, Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Dude, yeah.
1: there's a video online of them playing live. And it is amazing. because (laughs) They're
4: faking everything? Yes,
1: yes. But the way that they're faking it is amazing. Like, I I want to mimic it sometime. It's so funny. Because the guy, like, bangs the keyboard. I think in the one video I saw, they're not plugged into anything. (laughs) So there's, like, just, they're just on stage, and there's just two keyboards. I think there's one I saw where the wires look like they go nowhere, but then there was another where it was just, (laughs) it was just keyboards and the guy. And, of course, his vocal sounds exactly like it does on the album, so you know that's fake because his mouth is, like, different distances from the microphone, but the vocal is always perfect. And anyway, the way that the dude is playing the keyboard is awesome, because he's basically like, he's banging away on it like a hammer, and he's like, <laughs> all, all all his fingers are sort of hitting like random keys, and it's it's just amazing. And so, I, I want people to watch that video and to emulate it as much as possible. That's what I'm suggesting you do on stage. Just bring out, some, <laughs> bring out some cardboard keyboards, and like, every so often, if you're like, you know, your right hand has nothing to do, you just sit there and just fucking, like, Slam the thing that's in this.
4: <laughs> yeah, I've seen that kind of uh, arrangement on a few eighties videos as well. You know, mm-hmm. they're real synthesizers, but you can tell in uh, just a few seconds that oh no, they're not playing the real bassline. Yeah, they're just like <laughs> hammering the keys, looking cool with the piano key necktie or something.
1: Yeah, it's the same with um, singing too. You know, like when when a, like a lady is like you know really singing with a lot of passion, but then in the video she's looking all sexy the way like she's moving her mouth and stuff, and you're like. I'm pretty sure that's not how you formed those sounds, you know, like, because they have, they have to make it look a certain way. But then meanwhile, in the studio, she's probably making all sorts of crazy faces to accomplish that vocal, you know, like she probably doesn't look as cool as she does in the video.
4: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> but at the same time, we're all used to it. You know, it's similar to uh, ADR in movies when they re-record the dialogue. So like in a lot of blockbuster movies, especially because most of the dialogue is like re-recorded later and then it's all so clean and and perfect or like fully sound effects, you know, in movies, how everything makes a sound, you know, like a character will like slide their fingers across a book and you hear that nice, you know, that's, you know, like of their fingers on the thing. It's like, it's all, it's all just so perfect. (laughs) yeah
4: exactly and that's interesting because you sort of accepted back in the 80s when you sort of accepted that fighting scenes when people hit another person it sounded like
1: yeah, because in the 80s, the punching sound almost sounded like a basketball. Yeah, exactly. It sounded like, it sounded like the sound, of, like when I go back and watch Batman, like Tim Burton's Batman <laughs> from 1989, the punch sounds are ridiculous in that movie. Like, they're just very weird sounding. But the main one is uh, fantasy movies, whenever people take a sword out of the scabbard and it always makes yeah, a exactly. shling, <laughs> even though m- those things that are holding the sword are leather. Like, there's, there's no reason why there would be a metallic sound when you pull the sword out, because it's leather. It's not like the scabbard is also metal, and that you have, like, the metal-on-metal metal sound effect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But we've learned now, like, that's... We're, our, our brains are trained to accept that that's the sound a sword makes, and I think it was Lord of the Rings. I, I've probably talked about this on the show before, but it was the first movie I saw where a sword makes a noise, so whenever they pull out a sword, it makes, like, a high pitch like... Eee sound, you know, like when the sword <laughs> is revealed. It's the sound effect of the light glare on the sword, and now, like every movie I see where there's a sword, the swords sort of make these sounds, <laughs> and it's like we've just accepted now that, that that's the sound effect of a sword. You know, it's it's amazing because like it's a fucking piece of metal, like it does not make that noise.
4: In in one way, that's quite similar to a lot of eighties drum machines, like the eight oh eight, which doesn't sound like a real drum machine at all. Mm-hmm. But the the sounds are so familiar, Some people accept like, oh yeah, this is a snare sound, and this This is a bass uh, drum sound, even though it doesn't really sound like that at all. I think if they would have never invented the TR-808 and people would start to use it today, (laughs) people would hear like, what? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> this sounds like uh, you know you're tapping your smartphone's keys or something. This yeah. is not a drum.
1: Thinking back to like the demo scene and the chip tunes and stuff too, like mm. we'll accept quite a lot of things as percussion mm. because you know, like with the chip tunes, there's that just that fucking noise channel. Yeah, exactly. That is like the snare sound, which is just fucking fuzz, basically, but just for a short amount of time. <laughs> and and into your ear, it's like that's a snare, even though it's just fucking nothing. It dude. sounds like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I want to move forward here to the new album Yeah Uh, It's called End of Night There's lots of great tracks on here Uh, I would like to play End of the Night It's called End of the Night Sorry, I just called it End of Night like an idiot But the track is End of the Night featuring Double Boy And this track is great So let's listen to that End of the Night featuring Double Boy by Robert Parker. And uh, that's a great song, man. Who is Double Boy? I've never heard of this person.
4: He's a professional musician living here in Stockholm. He uh, had a short uh, cameo on the Swedish Idol show, you know, the um, show that was. Uh, it, it was an American version and the British version and also Swedish version <laughs> a few years back. So he's a really great singer. However, he has sort of. Um, Left the uh, personal... Uh artist project and uh, since a few years back he only produces and writes to other people however since he's a really great singer i'm very happy that he was interested in doing uh, a track together and uh, decided to sing on this track because i really love his voice
1: yeah no he's got a great voice
4: yeah it's amazing
1: it kind of reminded me a bit of um do you know fm 84 yeah uh the singer ollie ride mm, yeah his voice kind of hit the same sort of sound to me as ollie hits like again my music fucking terminology is terrible, but he, uh, he's he got a strong voice that can hit high notes. Let's put it that way.
4: Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, it's, <laughs> definitely in <the> na- yeah. <laughs> it's definitely in the neighborhood. Yeah, I agree.
1: You have a bunch of vocal collaborations on this one.
4: Yeah, it was deliberately that way. Yeah. I, I really wanted to try to make an album with a lot of vocal tracks and try, try out uh, different collaborations with different people.
1: So this was Conscious. Is this like the way you feel like Robert Parker is kind of going forward, or is this just what we're doing today
4: i think everything goes in cycles because the the ep i made was uh, completely instrumental and uh, then i felt like now i need to do a few uh, vocal cracks as well but the next time maybe i think it might be totally instrumental again i don't know but at the end of the day you know uh, if you look back at different kind of musical styles How many tracks do you remember that are instrumental? I really like instrumental tracks, don't get me wrong. Especially when you're out clubbing and partying. Mm -hmm. I think instrumental tracks are the best,
1: you know? Do you remember Sandstorm by Da Rude? Yeah, of course. (laughs) I mean,
4: that's... (laughs) I mean, but that's because it has, like, a really great hook. Yeah. But if I would ask you, like, how many instrumental Tiesto tracks can you hum from the top of your...
1: I absolutely agree with you like I found for me personally because you know I-, I love synth wave I love pretty much like most electronic music but I find everything sort of has its place and the more like synth pop kind of tracks when there's actually like a vocal hook in there it's a stronger way for a song to get sort of like embedded in your head and I know like when I have playlists of vocal tracks like that's the kind of music I like to walk around to and play in the car and stuff like that whereas the instrumental stuff that's more like I like to work to that kind of music you know what I mean Mm.
4: yeah exactly I agree they both have its place I mean for example Mitch Murder he has done a lot of vocal tracks but my favorite Mitch Murder track is actually The Touch which is an instrumental track Mm -hmm. I can never say that a certain style doesn't have its place in the world, you know, everything has its place in some way. When I make the music, I do it basically because I want to be creative and have fun. I'm I'm not the biggest fish in the pond either, but if you would fast forward 20 years or 30 years when we have the synthwave revival (laughs) probably (laughs) then people will ask like, can you play in Robert Parker songs? Yeah, I remember this one. 85 again. That's at least how I think people would talk about it.
1: Because even music I don't like, I can always recognize at least... I don't like it but I know where it serves its purpose. Like, you know, I don't really like dubstep, for example. Yeah. But I get it. You know, I get like, oh yeah, if you're all fucking drugged out in some warehouse and you guys are just like, you know, dancing around with crazy strobing lights and stuff, I could see yeah, it being yeah, like yeah, it, exactly. it creates an atmosphere. Bluegrass I don't understand at all, but that's me. <laughs> that's a weird one but speaking of music that sort of like goes in cycles i'm wondering at what point does robert parker start incorporating along with the synthesizers some irish folk music
4: (laughs) some people have made jokes about that like uh, (laughs) oh man you really need to make that uh Irish slash synthwave fusion album everyone has uh, wanted but no I will never do that but however end of the night you know that kind of track you could basically take the uh, the vocals and apply that on Irish instruments and it would be an, an Irish
1: crack I want a synthwave version of Danny Boy
4: <laughs> yeah I think the other way around is more difficult but uh, yeah everything is uh, possible <laughs>
1: Let's listen to another one, man Um, This is a cool track I know we're talking about vocal tracks here But I'm going to play an instrumental one now Because I I dug this one This is Final Moment by Robert Parker That was final moment by Robert Parker. And I'm here with Robert Parker right now. Whenever I say the word Parker, I just think of Spider-Man because <laughs> his you know his boss and uh, when J. Jonah Jameson's like yelling at him, he's always like, "Parker!" <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Cuz that's the... Anyway, that's that.
4: <laughs> Parker! The monster is at it again. Parker! What do you mean they won't wash the windows? Parker! where are you going don't be a nincompoop parker you're a sharp lad parker for a teenager well it's like this mr jameson don't interrupt parker how come
0: parker's never around when i need him spider-man set that fire parker
3: but there's no proof that he did proof schmoop
1: so what's coming up man what's in the what's what's the future have in store
4: yeah, I have too many projects. Actually, to be honest, and this is the truth, since I released the End of the Night album, every week there have been like one or two messages or requests for collaborations in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even though I really like collaborations, I mean, I just have just so much time, you know, I cannot say yes to everything because mm-hmm. I don't have the time. And I have I have a really difficult time to say no to people, but that's what I'm, I've had to do. Because Preston night who i did a track on the new album with we are working with them uh, together on an ep and i'm also working on an instrumental ep at the same time so my plan is actually to make two eps i will probably release them with some time apart but i will make a vocal ep with him and i will make an instrumental ep
1: you need to uh, just pretend to be your your own secretary you know, so you can send, like, a form letter and just, like, uh, I'm sorry, but uh, Robert's very busy right now, and blah, blah, blah. But meanwhile, it's actually you writing the letter.
4: <laughs> That's the good thing with having a booking agent, which I have had for the last three years. Mm. I never have to be the bad guy, because he can just uh, say no to things, and I ne- will never even hear about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, I will... Probably, I mean, I've played live shows continuously for at least one show a month and I will continue to do that for this entire year and probably the the next year as well because, yeah, it's fun, you know?
1: Do you remember where you played in Toronto?
4: Yeah, I played at the handlebar.
1: Okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, I saw Dana was there just the other day. Yeah. It's weird, I keep on trying to find different places in the city because I'm, I'm like an old man, right? So most of the time I'm home. Mm. So I'm, I'm not always on the pulse of what's going on. Although the other night I went to some electronic music night and it was not great. (laughs) Very weird. It was a weird night. I had a weird night. I'm still trying to reconcile what happened. It was a...
4: (laughs) And everyone else was having a good time except you or what?
1: Uh, It was just, I don't know, maybe a little bit more experimental than... Mm. Is my cup of tea? I like electronic music, but I like melody and you know a decent amount of musicality to the music. And uh, sometimes the experimental stuff is hard for me to digest. Yeah, it's yeah, it's weird. Like I feel embarrassed for people when they're weird. <laughs> so I don't I don't want to judge anyone, because it's like, you know, if that's what they want to do, that's fine, but sometimes it's hard for me to look at a stage if someone's being weird, and so I find I just, like, turn and sort of look in the corner of the room, and just wait for it to be done. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I had one of those nights, so it was a very strange.
4: Yeah, but I can understand what you're uh, getting at, because uh, I maybe I'm better at doing it myself right now, but people who are taking their own music too serious, Mm -hmm. I have always have a hard time understanding those people I mean to be honest it went much better reaching out to people when I took it a little bit more serious I mean from the beginning I didn't really care about mixing it even Mm -hmm. but you know when I at least felt like yeah I need need to make these tracks sound good and I, I want to have fun and and I need to make them sound good to other people you know but I could never like sometimes I meet people and they're really talking about their own music like it's the center of the world like man you know I did this track and I was thinking about this poetry by uh, Volgakov and (laughs) I felt like uh, uh, when I in the second phrase of this uh, poem uh, he's uh, talking about, you know (laughs) and I, I could never take my own music that seriously you know
1: i think that's part of like the allure of making the sort of retro 80s stuff is because the 80s in some ways is kind of a superficial time
4: yeah yeah exactly
1: maybe it is like this cocaine fueled party music but it's you can just enjoy it and there's and it's not necessarily deeper than it's just there it's it's just there Mm. and it's fun and it's there to be sort of enjoyed and if you want to go deep you can but you don't have to yeah exactly that's the most thought i've ever put into a thing in my life (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
4: for the last few years i've uh, I've never watched tv basically Mm. and i I very rarely watch movies to be honest because i sometimes i put up netflix and i browse through what they have uh, to offer and i was like no (laughs) (laughs) i'm not really interested (laughs) that's all
1: i do on netflix like, is just browse. (laughs) I I very rarely press play on anything. Like, I'm always just sort of skipping through and Mm. I have a PlayStation and so I'm always hitting the the L button L and R because that just shoots the menu like, so I'm not even going one by one like I just hit it and then it like shoots five past and it goes to the next five Mm. and I just keep doing that and that's all I do. I just sit there with my PlayStation controller just hitting R1 and just fucking going through, there's the next five there's the next five and even when I see stuff that seems like I would kind of interest me then I add it to my list. <laughs> the list I never go back to. <laughs> and, and that's the video game of Netflix. Is just it's like playing Tetris or something.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Except Tetris is a lot better. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can probably wind this down. Yeah. But how about we listen to one more song and then we'll. Uh, We'll wind down how about that yeah sure this is one called lost your mind featuring calderon i think i'm saying am i saying that correctly calderon 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 okay i'm gonna say calderon <laughs> all right man this is lost your mind featuring calderon sama And that was "Lost Your Mind" by Robert Parker, featuring Calderon. And I'm here with Robert Parker right now. Yeah, that's right. So, who is Calderon? Like, it's cool because uh, you did a bunch of collabs with vocalists uh, I haven't heard before <laughs> in in this album. But uh, where'd you where'd you find this guy?
4: I heard him. Six or seven years back, there was a quite a big uh, synth forum in Sweden. We have um, an internet forum. Sure, yeah. It looks basically the, the same graphic, the same layout, the same interface, like gear slots or uh, that kind of thing, even though it's in Swedish and uh, people can post tracks and that kind of thing. And I heard he, he posted a lot of tracks like six years ago on SoundCloud. And I really, really liked how he was uh, singing and his style. And then he sort of disappeared. But when I started working on this album, I contacted him and said, like, I really want to do a track or two with you. Are you interested? And he was like, yeah, I've been studying. Uh, I'm becoming a mechanical engineer. I had no time for music for like six years. But yeah, yeah, sure. Let's do something. So we uh, and he also lived in Stockholm. We lived quite close to each other, to be honest. So we we had a few meetings and uh, we ended up with two tracks.
1: Are your vocal collaborations on this album with uh, fellow Swedes no
4: uh, actually all the people I collaborated with I have met in real life uh, okay. Mattelvin Miss K Calderon Double Boy we have all met in real life except Preston Knight to be honest we we have had long fun conversations together so we know each other well uh, that's the only guy I've never met in real life mm. all the other co- collaborations as well as Wave Shaper Shy Guys Bachelor of Hearts all the people i work with I have met in real life that's quite important to me because if you want to be serious and you want to deliver something i think you need to meet 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 in person
1: yeah no i agree i mean that's what's interesting about this scene is a uh, you know this scene has been quite an international thing but it's cool to see these little scenes now uh, and it's been happening for a few years like popping up in different cities yeah where you can see like oh like in la they've got sort of a thing going and uh yeah, yeah. but for me it's um just because i've been developing these friendships with people online you know through doing the show mm. is that sometimes you know when they when they finally come to play here i'm sort of less interested in in the music part (laughs) and more interested in just the hanging out part yeah like to just you know to sit there and chat you know yeah
4: i agree that's the reason why i play live you know it's not because i i like to stand on the stage i have sort of a stage fright to be honest but uh the reason i do this is because it's so much fun it's so giving you know to visit all these places and meet people in real life it's uh yeah, it's a very good reality check you know to meet people in real life
1: is there any special like a uh, swedish liquor that helps with the stage fright
4: <laughs> no but yeah sometimes i could have a beer before i go on stage but not more than that <laughs> <laughs> uh, i very rarely drink spirits or drinks or anything uh, a, a beer or two for me it's enough <laughs> It's, it's
1: boring, but yeah, that's right. I guess if you, if, if you are that DJ that just goes on stage and presses one button, I think you can get as drunk as you want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, is there anything... Um we didn't talk about that. You want to talk about? No, it's all right. I mean, I, I can really
4: appreciate that you uh, do your own own thing with your show because I uh, always get the same questions when I do interviews. Since I've seen your name for the last like uh, six years, and we finally get to talk, which was very nice, by the way. Uh, it's really nice to to have like a personal uh, kind of thing. It's really nice to hear that you're genuinely interested by the people behind the music. That's uh, that's really cool.
1: Well, first of all, I don't write questions down so that's like (laughs) the only thing i ever go into when i talk to people is i just write down the songs i like Hmm. and that's it i think back in the day i used to do a bit more research but i found it's so much easier just to you know, you talk to people and then stuff comes out Mm. and then you just go with the flow. I mean, obviously some people are better at talking. So, (laughs) I mean, I have had some interviews in the past with people who are not very talkative people and then it gets tricky when I don't know anything about them and they're not giving me anything. (laughs) But it ends up being sort of fun for me. Like, those interviews are actually funny for me because it becomes like a game. Mm. Trying to figure out, like, what is the thing that's going to get this person talking? Because everyone is usually interested about something but sometimes it's hard to find what that thing is. But I feel like everybody always has a top that once you get them talking about that topic,
4: yeah, exactly.
1: And some people are easier and just will talk about anything. And sometimes there's certain people who you got to get them on on that fucking train.
4: Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's definitely right. And and that's uh, before we end the show, I can actually take the opportunity to talk about that. There's a Swedish duo called Shy Guys. I did a collab with them on Crystal City album, mm-hmm. uh, and they have released their first album right now. They have released it on Laserdiscs. Their name uh, the name is Shy Guys. There are two guys and they are very shy (laughs) and that was the thing I wanted to talk about Because one of the guys, (laughs) you know, he's quite talkative when you meet him. But the other guy, he's so silent.
1: Is it called Venture? Is that the album?
4: Yeah. And it's great because they have worked on this album for six years. I'm not kidding. You know, the first tracks came out six years ago. So they have this a long time coming. But the other guy, he's so silent until I started to talk about Daft Punk. And then he was like, oh, yeah, you know, Daft Punk, you know, they've opened a new museum in the United States, in New York. You can see the helmets and everything. And he he couldn't stop talking talking. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think everyone has their topic that once you find it, it's sort of, you have uh, found their core or their, their sort of essence.
1: So that is that like being shy is part of their thing? Because I'm reading like the paragraph underneath the album on Bandcamp. Shy guys may hide from the limelight, but their music goes way beyond the twilight. Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah, I could guess that. But they're really good live. They've played live two times uh, so far. And they, yeah, they, it's, it's great. It's a personal favorite, to be honest. They are really, really good.
1: I'll go check that out, man. But the most important thing right now is that people go and check out Robert Parker, <laughs> who's been making lots of music for a long time. Talented dude. Fucking doctor. <laughs> yeah, man. It's an impressive thing. How much homework do you have to do as a doctor? Like, these are times where, like, you know, people meet with you and you have to go, like, on some database or read a book or something to figure out what the issue is?
4: I don't have to take my work back home after a work day. I can pick it up the next day unless i jump into a research project that is then i need to do much more but i don't do that right now because i want to keep my free time on my family and uh, my music you have a white coat like a doctor coat no no in, in sweden we realize that people get so much infections from those long sleeves so we have uh, a <laughs> sort of <laughs> those are gone a long time ago those are just a status symbol and they had no real purpose
1: <laughs> you should you should go to work and just wear the arms so like you're, you're not wearing the whole jacket but you just have like the white arm part that just goes up to the shoulder <laughs> and then just put them on like gloves where you just walk around with like these just <laughs> these stupid like white doctor arm pieces and that hat or no what's that thing called I don't even think doctors have that anymore you know that thing that, like, that band that goes around their head with, like, the circular mirror?
4: Yeah, sometimes if you are ear, nose, and throat doctor, you still use that, actually, because you can reflect light into the mouth or the nose. But no one else used that. Oh,
1: that's <laughs> what that does? Yeah, yeah,
4: exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i never known. It's like it's like a chef hat to me, you know? There's just this... It's like mm. a costume. I always just thought, like, yeah. that's, that's the doctor costume, but I never understood what that thing actually did (laughs) (laughs) Uh, stupid I'm not a smart guy (laughs) anyway Anyway, man look it was nice to meet you likewise and uh, keep on making cool music I'm sure you don't need me to tell you that but you know you make good stuff and it's been good to finally fucking talk to you well thank you and good luck with your interviews yeah man All right, and that was my conversation with Robert Parker. We had a good time. See, now now that you hear that Spider-Man clip, eh? You just want (laughs) to... Parker! Parker! Anyways, I want to do a little quick shout-out to uh, some of my Patreon supporters. Action Jackson, Ken Giroux, Hampus ML, and Chatterack. And we will never forget the immortal Chrysalia Lane. I don't know what next week's show is going to be. It might be a chiptune episode, but it might not. It just depends on, um... Ah, fuck it. It'll be a chiptune one. (laughs) Fuck it and fuck you. That's... Listen, we're all having a good time here. I want to thank you for listening to Beyond Synth, and uh, we're going to keep having fun, because that's the point, is to have fun. Enjoy ourselves, and enjoy your weekend. You are all awesome. And I'll talk to you next time on Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is.
0: Thanks for listening to Beyond Synth. If you would like to support Beyond Synth, please visit patreon.com forward slash beyondsynth. And don't forget to check out Beyond Synth on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Instagram. If you want to submit your music for the show, please email it to beyondsynth at gmail.com. Have a lovely day.